You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and Express Magazine, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined today by my co-host, Annette Hinkle, the arts and living editor, who's graciously filling in for Joe Shaw, who's on a well-deserved vacation. Good morning, Annette. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good. Good. Um, our guests this week include our regular Denise Civiletti, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Beth Young, editor and publisher of the East End Beacon. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. And Michael Mackey, the local host for the Long Island Morning Edition right here on WLIWFM. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, folks. Let's jump right into Alberton. Um, both Beth and Denise covered a um, raucous meeting, as Denise described it in her coverage, um, a, a uh, filled beyond capacity room at the Hotel Indigo on Wednesday night in which the Triple Five affiliate who was looking to build 10 million square feet of industrial and commercial development at the Calverton Enterprise Park um, attempted to give a presentation, I guess, on on the project, but was was kind of overrun by um, by the the crowd. Who um, would you say everybody was was in opposition to the plan at, at this point, uh, Denise? It's well, I mean, it seemed like the vast majority of people in that room were there to. Um, to do what they did, um, and in opposition, I mean, there were you know people with signs. Um, as soon as the lawyer like started speaking, uh, the, the thing was billed as you know they were they were going to present their plans. Um, and and um, we really don't know what the plans are at this. Yes, point, yes, right? we actually do. Okay, <laughs> we actually do. Well, that's that's what they that's their that's what they're selling. We don't really know what the plans are. And that's, you know, what I think that I I, be, I believe that was what the purpose of this was. But I I also believe that all you have to do is look at the documents that they filed with the Riverhead Industrial Development Agency with the town of Riverhead as a co-applicant um, to determine what their plans are. Because if those are not their plans, then um, they need to change their application or you know, for for taxpayer support for this project because mm -hmm. uh, that would be a little bit of a problem if they say they were going to do one thing, they get tax incentives, and then they do something else. You know, I mean, in a nutshell, what are the plans in the IDA application? Well, they are talk they are talking about um, building this ten million square feet of in, of commercial industrial space. Along the two runways, that site is the former Grumman uh, plant. It right. was owned by the Navy and leased to a Navy contractor, um, the Grumman Corporation, for decades, um, which did a mighty fine job of polluting the soil and the groundwater <laughs> on the site. And uh, Beth and I could talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had all, all the fun meetings. We got all the toxic waste. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, they... they um, they, the town entered into this contract to sell the property to this triple five uh, group company. And um, their plans say that they're going to build this space along the two runways. One of them is a 10,000 foot runway that's still an active runway. The other is a 7,000 foot runway that is not an active runway right now. And um, they, they're going to build it in phases. The first phase, which they're calling phase 1A, is for uh, three, they're calling flex buildings, two-story buildings um, that will be like for offices, possibly labs, um, research, that kind of thing. Um, and those are uh, like 400,000 square feet uh, near the 10,000-foot runway. And then they're going to build in phase 1A, and this is in their application, two 300,000 foot each uh, uh, distribution centers, they're calling it. And they're very large one-story buildings, you know, high ceiling buildings. They're the kind of buildings that are used to take in goods and ship them out. Um, and they're the kind of buildings used in, in modern, you know, commerce by online retailers 
um, to like um, like Amazon, oh, like Amazon to fulfill said the A word. That's it. We're going there. That's it. <laughs> so <clears throat> they say that they don't have tenants in, for any of these things, but but this is in their application to the Riverhead Industrial Development Agency. Um, phase one B of this uh, is that's in this plan <clears throat> is a four hundred thousand square foot rail distribution center. Uh, built not near the runway, but closer to um, a rail line, a rail siding that was like an old abandoned siding that the town um, in like 2010-11 with grant money refurbished at the cost of, I don't know, like a million dollars, I think, back then. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that's so, that's the so it's so it's, no, it's so it's planes, trains and, and automobiles and the oh. automobiles <laughs> being big trucks, right? Picking, you know, yeah, uh, and, and the, the, the the maps and things and the the architects' renderings that they presented to the IDA at the IDA meeting in September, where after this joint application was filed, and um, the IDA at that meeting accepted their application for review. Um, it says it's a they're going to spend uh, two hundred forty-five million dollars on wow. phase one A of of this uh, construction. And they gave a very thorough presentation, but the engineer um, and the architect, and they showed these plans. Um, I I got them by a, a, a PDF of them, um, and um, you know you probably have them too, Beth. That you know they show pretty clearly what they're planning to build there. Um, they're gonna they're talking about um, reactivating the seven thousand foot runway because in phase two they're gonna build. Um, Five more large buildings, <laughs> two more on um, the the runway on the what on the uh, ten thousand foot runway, and three really big ones on on the seven thousand foot runway. This is phase two. That's not yet specked out in terms of cost and stuff like that. But and obviously, I guess that's going to depend on if there's a market for that development going down the road in the future. But um, you know, this was this is what their plans were, and they described them in great detail. They submitted a market study and everything. Um, you know, I mean, from a business standpoint, probably makes a lot of sense. I think there's a demand for that. Sure. Uh, we have a number of large warehouse logistics distribution center proposals go in Riverhead in, in the Calverton Hamlet um, that are on the at various stages of review and approval right now. Um, in addition to these um, structures inside the, as we say, inside the fence at the, uh, at the Enterprise Park at Calverton. Um, but, you know, the reaction to the news of this initially last fall was um, maybe not raucous, but <laughs> kind of like, what? <laughs> um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, like 30 years ago, there was a lot of uh, debate about if, if, um, Calverton should become she should become an airport, yeah. um, and in particular a cargo airport. There was a big push for that back then, and the the residents you know hated that idea. And there was even like a, a referendum. Of, I don't remember the date, but there was a, a referendum about it should it be an airport of any kind, um, and that the voters voted that down. Um, but you know I don't think that has any kind of like legal weight or anything at this point. Um, and and, the and town, then, its wisdom is selling the runways. So when someone buys the runways, the town's kind of out of the picture in terms of what can happen to them or how they can be used, really. And, and the developer's kind of trying to downplay the whole the 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 the, the, the runway airport part of this. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so, I, like, I, I start. I'm sorry, I get I get off track. Pardon the pun, but like. You know, I think the point of this was to say, well, you know, that might not be what really happens here and we're not sure, um, you know, that that's their message. We don't know. And they and they kept saying this is not going to be a cargo airport. It's not going to be a cargo terminal. Um, and it's you not going to be not going to be LaGuardia or JFK. Well, I mean, you know, this is, it's it's not a cargo but, terminal like that. It's not like planes are going to be scheduling landings that don't have. Like that, it's going to be open for business as an airport to receive yeah. like that necessarily. I don't know, but but what they're what they the plans that they outline to the IDA, um, you know, are that the tenants in these big buildings are going to use 
the airport facilities to receive goods. And so it's a, you know, tenant use. So it's technically not like an airport like JFK, but as one person said, you know, there are planes coming to deliver right. cargo and leaving. So whatever you want to call it, don't play with words. You know, this is what has this room in this, you know, state right now. And, can I ask, are they, they're implying that they don't have tenants yet? Is that kind of that's, like, that's we, don't, what they, we don't know who's coming in here. Right. Does anybody right. believe that they don't have tenants yet? I really don't know. I mean, this is what all of these all of these developers that are building other big warehouses they're, are basically saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a 641,000 square foot logistics center um, proposed to be built on a country road. Uh, really, I have no other way. Like to you know, this seems a like a, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of a lot of investment for not knowing who's coming in there. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, and this I from you know doing a little research around like what's going on around the country. That's really kind of a typical thing that happens. Like yeah. these things get built, and oh, we don't know, we have no information, we don't have a tenant, and then you know, a week before but, it's done, but, it, hello, uh, who, Amazon's here. <laughs> well, uh, who are they going to sell it to, though? I mean, other than. Than companies that are that are going to see the advantage of being able to fly their cargo into these huge runways in, in Calverton and whether it's Amazon or 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 DHL or some other, you know, I mean that's you know, that's gonna yeah, be the use. They can say we don't have tenants, but who are they gonna sell it to, Beth, if not somebody yeah. with airplanes, right? Yeah, and I think you know a lot of the distrust originally come because when when Cat and before that Luminati were originally um, involved in this deal with the town, they paraded all these prospective tenants who were doing like weird and cool R and D things before you know the public and had them talk about what they were doing. And some of the stuff was really cool, but none of those tenants materialized. And Denise has done a lot of really excellent reporting about what's gone on with that, which has been essentially nothing. Um, and uh, so, so, so we, the public's been hearing all kinds of things from these people for a very long time, and none of them are this. So this is a big shock. Yeah, to the public. That's, that's very true. And and um, you know, it's. I mean, the way the very way this the very structure of these buildings is such that that's what they're used for. Like yeah. even these even these warehouses that are being proposed for other places in Calverton. Um, like I was talking about the one uh, in, by Manor Road on uh, Manor Middle, um, you know, the, their height and just the way they are built, they're, uh, they're designed to be automated. They, they're called high cube, where, high cube warehouses. They're not like regular warehouses. They're built specifically to take goods in, unpack them, sort them, and ship them out. They have, you know, doors on one side for big tractor trailers and doors on the other side for the delivery trucks. <laughs> like that's how they're constructed. And so, you know, that's their purpose. And I think, look, we yeah. all have throughput. Yeah. And I think we all need to come to terms with the fact that this is how we all shop now. I mean, it really is. And I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, so this is a way of life. So it's like it's like we it's all use cell phones, but we don't want cell towers. Right. You know? I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. So we and have we to make. We all want choices, our Amazon. You know? We all want our Amazon packages the next day delivery. But we don't want the warehouse a mile down the road from our house. Well, with the I mean, I'm curious. Speak, speaking of the of the commerce <laughs> end of it, has there been um, you know, the, you have all of those stores in Riverhead and the box stores and yeah. all that. Have they weighed in in any way? Are they threatened by the idea of these warehouses moving in? Has there been any? pushback no, i mean they're input. certainly threatened by amazon and we've had you know riverhead has had as we all know uh a lot of like national uh retailers you know build these or move into these big box stores on route 58 and a number of them have gone under i mean you know toys r us has gone went bankrupt um bed bath and beyond is liquidating right now um and uh, you know borders we had a borders in riverhead um, so, you know, <laughs> this is a, a fact of, of commerce in, in the world today. And, you know, we need to come to terms with that and either radically change how we live, which I don't think will happen, or, you know, get used to this. I, I'm not sure. Like, is there some middle ground, like some, some, 
because with these with these facilities also it's i mean besides traffic and big tractor trailers and planes and things like that um it's also trucks idling and right. air quality deprecation you know i mean that's a real problem that other communities have been seeing around the country with these huge warehouses that have all of these tractor trailers idling while they're delivering waiting to pick things up and it makes for really bad air quality <laughs> these diesel you know Right. Did they talk about jobs at all? Like it's going to create X amount of jobs. Like that's supposed to be something. Oh yeah, that will help people. It's always kind of vague. Accept it. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. I'm really impressed at the consistency with which the public has showed up over the last five five or so months on this on these issues. I mean, they're turning out in in huge numbers. I don't know if if they're historically huge in terms no. of going back, but. Beth, for our listeners, you reported that there were over 300 people there Wednesday night. That's not that's not a couple dozen. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. How many people live in Calverton? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I think that that was that was one point that was that was brought up too, and and one of your stories is is that Calverton is not the Calverton that it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's a much more um more suburban um residential area now than than it used to be right well yeah particularly in the in the along the middle road corridor too um you know the town zone for these like um 55 and over active senior uh condominiums and we have a lot of them i mean the middle road has like i don't know the last count there were like six of them um and uh, you know they're populated with a lot of people who are a lot of a lot of them are newcomers to town and they, you know, they want no part of this. And those sure. people have been showing up. There's been a number of, sub, you know, subdivisions that have gone in and have been built that people have moved into. And, you know, there is a lot of industrially zoned land in Calverton. And that's another thing people have been saying is like huh, what they were demanding a moratorium from like a year ago. Um, asking the town board to put a moratorium on development, new development in the industrial space while the comprehensive plan is getting updated. Because, you know, what's the point of doing the comprehensive plan if all this development is going to progress, you know, while the study is being done? And the town board refused to do it, except for they put a moratorium on solar, um, new commercial solar facilities. Um, but they wouldn't do more time on warehouses or anything else. And, you know, there's been, I mean, like I said, that 641,000 square foot Riverhead Logistics Center. There's HK Ventures, which is 427,000 square feet of large industrial space like that. There's a 131 acre industrial subdivision um, in the in the final approval stages uh, next to Splish Splash. Uh, and there are other warehouses all around and other existing warehouses that are being ex- expanded because well, when, there's a big demand for this space. Well, and, and when you see when you hear the town talk about comp plan updates and possible moratoriums and all that, I think that that sometimes has the opposite effect. And that just brings the, the developers to a rush to try to get in under, you know, under under the current zoning and, and build build what they can. I, I think the whole the whole thing going to Calverton is just reminiscent a little bit of the, um, you know, of of the um, uh, of the industrial park and in, I call it an industrial park in in, in West Hampton at, at Kapreski Airport, which was pitched, you know, 10, 15 years ago as, as it was going to be this high tech corridor with high tech businesses. And it was going to be a hotel and there was going to be conventions and it was going to be great for the area and bring people to the east end and there would be these conventions and then people go into the village and and look the recklers did a really nice job of of filling filling that park but it certainly wasn't um the the high-tech hub that that they said it was going to be and you know you've got you've you've got you know sign makers there and and you've got a you know the uh tate's cookies is is there and these are all great businesses and all that but just not what they said um, and and the later, you know, the the last the last building that they built became one of these these um, Amazon, you know, last last de- delivery hubs, and um, and and you've you've got to wonder if if part of the reason Amazon wanted to come in there, obviously it's it's near 
it's near Sunrise Highway, but they had to be eyeing the the airport use there. And and I think that um, luckily the the residents of Riverhead and um, you know um, petitioned the town, and the town um, made them include in the lease. The town has some control over it because it was a former um, PDD, which is a zoning tool that isn't used anymore. But we're able to put in there, um, you know, language that that Amazon won't be able to use the airport, but you better believe if they hadn't, that's certainly what they would have been, would have been eyeing. And, and Michael, you pointed out that there was a story this week that, that at that Amazon facility, and I think we don't know a lot about it, um, but there's a, a, a company, GoGo Magnolia Ventures, which operates the Amazon warehouse. They're going to be laying off 75 workers and, and, and pulling out. And there's some speculation as to, as to why they're doing that but i mean they just opened that you know six six months ago so it's a little a little yeah. confusing well so there's there are many subcontractors that amazon uses for distribution until they don't need them any longer because they are facing in their own uh direct uh, distribution so i don't know i guess in the short term being a partner with amazon might be lucrative but i wouldn't be uh expecting to be committed to them forever they're going to eventually if you're if you're really doing well in distribution, they're going to start doing it themselves. They, that's their whole modus operandi. They help uh, facilitate your business until they decide your business is so good they want to take it over. Right. It's yeah. it's uh, and I find this whole uh, the topic of Calverton and industrial development fascinating because much of of Calverton Wading River is, is rustic landscape that's quite scenic, and uh, amidst all that. Uh, coming up with uh, appropriate, uh, effective industrial development that enhances the economic quality of, of life versus the uh, the scenic quality of life, it's a real challenge. And I suppose that's why the, we're, we're constantly uh, reporting on stories out of out of Epcal and, and Calverton. I mean, sometimes I think to myself, maybe uh, if you just uh, made uh, Epcal one big, gigantic, beautiful Central Park or something, yeah. it would be it would be better. But I suppose there's money needs to be made somewhere, and the, and actually, when the when Grumman the, the when the site when the land was was handed over, the the uh, understanding was that the, the town of Riverhead would uh, develop in a way that created jobs that replaced the ones that left when uh, Grumman went uh, out of town. So it's a real challenge. It's a, it's a really terrific story, and uh, the number of people that are showing up at these these gatherings these presentations to uh, protest any development is interesting. Like, but what's, what's the alternative? What are they proposing? Yeah. I don't know. I think this whole story really underscores what happens when you ignore your zoning. Like, yeah. you know, it really like zoning controls land use. And if you don't update your zoning, like you should to, uh, you know, to, to keep up with the times, this is the situation you get into. I mean, the zoning, uh, zoning Calverton uh, lands industrial around the Grumman facility made sense when that was done. It was a big industrial facility. They were doing test flights. Planes were crashing. <laughs> um, you know, what I was mean, the noise like like back then in the seventies uh, and eighties? Well, so when they were doing, when they were testing engines and when they were taking, you know, off from there and stuff like that, it w was allowed. I mean, you know, I, and, but when they weren't, it, 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 you know, so it was not, it was not used as like frequently. Uh, there weren't regular flights coming in and out. Um, somebody said the other night at, at their, in their heyday, they had like 19,000 flights a year, which is substantial, but not, you know. You can have 19,000 flights a month at a, a regular airport, right? I mean, but the thing is, like, all of this industrially zoned land got left zoned industrial. Yeah. Even after mm -hmm. Grumman left. And, in fact, the town did do industrial and commercial and economic development in in that property. The the What they call the industrial core, all of the Grumman buildings and stuff, Um those were sold and resold and leased, and there are companies operating there. Um, I think the last I heard, there's like 1,200 or, or more jobs at that site now. Um, and so it's not like the town didn't do anything with it. 
But there's a lot of vacant land, some of which is still under remediation for environmental pollution uh, that's being conducted by the Navy, which keeps finding more pollution, groundwater <laughs> pollution. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, uh, do, how much more do we need? So, like, a lot of people are saying that I, now, too. Like, you know, how much more development do we need there? And if I, we're going to have think, all that development there, do we need all of this development outside yeah. the park? Yeah. I, I, I think the, the environmental environmental aspect of, of all that gets a little lost in, in this proposition. Everybody's worried about, um, you know, the airplane, airplanes and trucks and, and all that. But I noticed that, that Dick Amper was 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 at the meeting. This is Pine Barrens adjacent, correct? I mean, it's Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it's over the aquifer. I mean, you've got to worry about the water, right, Beth? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a lot of the water is already contaminated, and most of it's in plumes. But I mean, the 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 big contaminant they're finding now, even just this week, they announced they found some more um, of these emerging contaminants, and some of these were contaminants that weren't even on the DEC or the EPA's radar ten years ago. Um, these no, uh, no pun intended with radar. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so, and they're still finding more compounds and, and I imagine there will be more in the future that we don't even know exist today. Um, and, um, so, so let's, let's by all means get those runways up and running again. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, wherever you have an airport, you need, uh, fire suppression. And, right. um, what, what we find is a lot of the, a lot of the airports on the East end, um, even the littlest ones have issues with with the firefighting foam that was used at those airports, even in, just in training exercises. Um, so that's that accounted for the PFOAs. Is that, yeah. that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. PFOs. PFOs. That's how NPR pronounces it. PFOs. <laughs> PFAS. <laughs> well, well, we'll certainly um, keep watching. Uh, um, watching your guys publications for for the latest on that what's the what's the next step with this well i don't know when they're going to have a public hearing or if they need to but be, there has to be a public hearing there has to be any, public, the idea has to advanced. have a public hearing before right. they grant their benefits um I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a while before they schedule that after wednesday's <laughs> so i i published a, a story a week or so ago um that didn't get as much traction as it should have, I, in my opinion, and probably because I gave it a really boring headline. You know, <laughs> it's it started out with the word audit. Oh. <laughs> and my daughter was like, Mom, don't start a headline with the word audit. But um, she's probably right. So note to self. But um, but the 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 idea is audit <laughs> for last the last few years. Um, has said has shown that they're kind of cash strapped. Actually, ironically, um, the only source of funding they have is uh, these administrative review fees that they get in connection with this app with these applications. And the IDA gives tax breaks to developers, yeah. and um, and so they they're t- they tend to be not too popular with with the residents. But you know, they need to close deals in order to survive, and um, in this last audit, they've they've got the auditors have ri- uh, risen, uh, raised this uh, something called a going concern uh, note, which uh, says you know we, we there's a concern that you're not going to be able to continue as as a business mm. be a going concern where, you know, and so they discussed that in the audit for the last three years and this this past year the tw- 19 uh, the 2022 audit shows you where I am guys um, the 2022 audit they said. Um, the, the response to the auditor's note was that they have uh, they anticipate closing on this deal in October, uh, uh, and uh, so I thought so, that was important. So they they need this project to go through in in order to continue. Well, they need projects staying. to go through, but this yeah. one would be like a six figure uh, in, you know, revenue yeah. source for them um, because it's based it's a percentage based fee. That's um, and so they told the auditor that. And I was like, well, that's interesting. It's good to know there's an objective vetting of this project going yeah, on. Right. <laughs> well, no, we'll be okay. We're going to close this thing. But, you know, so, I, you know, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? But there, there's going to be a public hearing if this goes forward before the IDA. And, you know, 
the town board is now they're trying to figure out what to do, where to duck and cover. Yeah. <laughs> because even saying things like, well, we didn't know this was their plan. Well, <laughs> you signed the application maybe, and this is in the application. Maybe you shouldn't be so <laughs> maybe you shouldn't yeah. be so proud of that fact. Yeah. Um, well, we'll we'll keep watching. Thank God you guys are you guys are uh, are are watching that for us. This is behind the headlines on <laughs> WLIWFM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. My co-host today, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. We're joined by Michael Mackey from right here at WLIW, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, and Beth Young from um, the East End Beacon. Um, let's let's move out of out of Calverton a little bit. No pun intended. Um, so the the uh, governor's budget was was finally passed this week a little bit late, um, and there were a couple different measures in there that I, I think we can we can care about. Um, one of one of the things was burial site protection was was finally approved, um, and that's. Um, good news for for I know the uh, the the Shinnecock Nation folks were really um, really involved in that and I I I think it certainly has an effect um, I think Southampton Town though um, in the past couple of years finally passed their own um, burial site protection but this I think takes it a step further and and gives a little more protection we're talking about instances where new construction. Um, new construction comes in and they unearth um, um, human remains that may have been there for a hundred years, a thousand years, ten thousand years, or or whatever, and and allows protections. It, it, it institutes a, a stop at, at that point of of the construction while they figure out what what to do with those remains, whether it's um, reburying them in place or or, or moving the remains or um, you know, or or doing doing other things with them, um, and and the governor um, Beth, I don't know if you you've been following this. The governor had had um, had vetoed um, this protection in last year's budget, but I, out of a concern for um, property owner rights, I guess. But with, this year was was convinced uh, convinced to sign it. Yeah, I think she faced a lot of backlash for that um, for that decision. I I don't know offhand what concessions she might have been given to change her mind, but um, having it wrapped in the budget certainly um, helps sway the uh, the decision to support it. Um, but New York is only one of three states that didn't have something like this on the books, which is kind of hmm. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a long complaint of this Shinnecock who, who, um, you know, for, for years have talked about, I mean, this is the, you know, they're one of the richest areas in, in the state and, and, and the country. And there certainly was, um, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of land that was, was Shinnecock territory at one point that was, you know, taken over by development. And certainly they felt, um, that their concerns about remains, um, particularly in, in Shinnecock Hills, um, you know, fell on, deaf ears uh for for years and and i think most likely did to the to the point almost of 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 build out and you know um and you wonder how many how many sites were were disturbed you know to the point where they could actually you know pass some kind of legislation to at least protect any future um Do you know my question is is there any requirement when there's a new building site to have an archaeologist come out and see what's you know is it self-reporting and is that one of those things that makes it a little more difficult to um, to really know what's happening if, if if it's up to people who find the remains to actually report the remains. Well, now they have to right. report it; uh, otherwise, they'll they'll be subject to penalties per New York. The new well, someone New York has State to law. find them doing. They have to find them doing it. Doing yeah, the they wrong could thing they, they could they could do wrong and right. and possibly get get away with it, but they. It seems now it's clear enough that if you if you buy a, a property out here or if, or if after owning it for a while you discover remains you immediately report it and it's it's not that it's, it won't take any longer than than sixty days it sounds like to to sort it all out and work it out it, it's it's um, I mean the remains can be very responsibly and professionally removed from your property but the the point is. Don't deface it. Get step back and call in professionals, including Shinnecock representatives, to uh, attend to it. Just don't build over it or 
or act cavalierly about it. Yeah. It's a very important law. And right, you know, everybody kind of says, Duh, why wasn't this put into effect earlier? 47 right. other states did it. But it seems very clear now and it's been given enough publicity. So no one has an excuse for not doing it at this point. Yeah, I think that's the, the point. There's, it just it provides a pause. It's like, let's take right. the time and, and figure out what to uh, what to do. But by law now you must show respect and restraint and and attend to it in a responsible way yeah there, there before uh, by the way i just want to make one more point about these uh, that meeting wednesday night 300 people plus yelling and screaming i forget what side of the issue i might be on i don't i'd like to see lots of trees and maybe some affordable housing someplace but i am a little bit dismayed at more and more in society we're not practicing one of Stephen Covey's very important uh, habits of highly effective people. Seek first to understand and then be understood. It sounds like Mr. Kent never got a chance to make his presentation and be heard first before uh, folks responded. Do, am I reading that wrong, Beth and uh, Denise? Um, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I, think, uh, I think he made sort of a tactical error, though. Right, Beth? I mean, like, yeah. He's he launched into this whole like his start history of the site. Yeah, thing. it was like a seventy-year retrospective. And I, I, personally, I think that was part of the like you know we don't want to really talk about what we're actually going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that that people grew very very impatient with that very quickly, and they started asking him questions, and the yeah. answer seemed to always be, "Well, we don't know yet." Yeah. So, Bad show business. You know. and she should have had a consultant. To well, speak well, to him before he got up, and it and it sounds to me, and I haven't covered it, but it sounds to me like that's a kind of a repeated pattern that that there hasn't been a lot of information shared about this project or plan, and I think that that when that's the case, then then residents, you know, the the frustration, um, you know, just builds and builds until until you put them. In, in front of a microphone, and then all of a sudden, you know, the year's worth of frustration just just comes out. Yeah, sometimes it is appropriate to shout. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't Wednesday night. Just in general, whether in in the United States and and beyond, there's awful lot of meetings taking place out there where there's a lot of shouting and yelling and uh, very little uh, listening. I I my, sitting in that room, I really felt. Um, uh, that people were very precise in their anger. They knew exactly what they were angry about mm. and they, they were able to vocalize it really clearly. And I think that helped, you know, because it wasn't, they weren't angry for no reason. They had really legitimate reason for they all were of their- They were informed. And, and I think that helped um, keep it from becoming less civilized because it was really, no, we are here, we are bringing genuine grievances to you and here they are. And, um, Sometimes that gets loud. And give us some yeah. straight answers. Like, I think they got angrier as time went on because they weren't yeah. getting straight answers. Um, but I never felt like it was going to get out of hand. No. Um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't either. Nobody yeah. hit each other. No and, punches and that, that hasn't always been the case in some meetings. <laughs> but this one, yeah, right. the, yeah, I think they displayed some restraint, really. Speaking oh. of crowds, I mean, they, they had a, over 100 people attend a Calverton Civic Association meeting Friday night, the Friday wow. before this, to talk about warehouses in general and just get like a little lesson on what these new warehouses are like and why they're built that way and that kind of thing. It was pretty informative. It was researched and put on by citizens. And But I mean, when they when I heard they were doing this on a Friday night, I'm like, are they kidding? Who's going to show up for something like this on a Friday night? But like, you know, I drag myself there just... <laughs> to, to see who would show up but um and i was astounded that there were that many people i really was so i mean kudos to um the leaders of that organization takwi turchin and uh her group that's the greater calverton civic and because they've really been you know kind of organizing about yeah. about these issues and have been very active and um it's it's showing like it's really manifesting that's well, I mean, that's how you you control or or you even stop, you know, uh, obnoxious developments. And I'm not saying you know the Calverton thing is an obnoxious development, but but that's what it's all about, right? I mean, we as as journalists, we we report on on these plans, and and you know, and and we 
we can we can challenge you know plans and and legislation in front of uh you know various boards or whatever but but if if we don't have the you know the people behind us backing that up then then you know often it, it doesn't go anywhere i mean and that's we're we're doing it for those people and so it's great to see people be organized and and to find their voice right people i mean it's important to remain informed about what's going on in your community because oftentimes people don't realize what's happening until something is under construction right. <laughs> like what is that um so you know well, yeah it's like no, the developer find out develop, keep in touch you know the developer says we don't know we don't know we don't know who's coming in okay. we haven't you know yeah. and then all of a sudden um amazon right. trucks show up and 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 it's like well we told you you know you you know your your home is is your biggest investment probably if you're like most people and yeah. the quality of life that you live in in this area the reasons why you live here you know those are things that are presumably very important to you and so you need to you know keep your ear to the ground read yeah. read the local newspapers and websites and and know what's happening and participate you know which doesn't mean you know mouthing off about things on Facebook it means really showing up and uh, even by Zoom now that you can <laughs> participate um, in town meetings and things and, you know, have have a voice because, um, you know, it's your it's your town and your future. So exercise your constitutional right of assembly. And when you come to the assembly, <laughs> be prepared. Exactly. And that's what it sounds like last Friday night's meeting was that you yeah. reported on Denise. Those people arranged the meeting and they were very detailed and clear. And what they were presenting, I learned the difference between a warehouse and a distribution center. It's a big difference. It absolutely is. So you know, I mean, it's so this is all I think really good for for uh, civics and and uh, citizen participation. I think these are you know maybe uh it may be an annoyance to developers, but like this is how it really is supposed to be. And I hope that town officials everywhere you know take heed of this and you know, do things the right way above board and transparently and, you know, and involve and involve the, the citizens. Um, it can be a little messy sometimes for sure, but um, that's how our system of government works best. So I don't know. I'll shut up now. Yeah. No, good. Let's, well, uh, let's, uh, I, uh, there was obviously more to, more to say on that. I'm, and I'm glad we, I'm glad, I'm glad we did. Um, if we can, if we want to get back to the, um, to the governor's budget and, yeah. and um <laughs> uh, also also passed as as part of her budget were were further changes to the um bail reform measure that was that was passed a, a couple of years ago and um and and I think that was originally part of uh former governor Cuomo's budget one year and I don't remember was it 20 19 or 2020 2019 was the bail overhaul yes 2019 and and that was um what what turned into a controversial measure to um to kind of um uh, re restrict um you know restrict bail for non-violent offenders and kind of restrict what judges could do in in those situations for non-violent offenses and and it was meant as as a as a way to ensure that that people who who didn't who couldn't afford bail or didn't get stuck in a system and and be you know be sitting in a in a county jail cell for a year before they had a a chance to um to defend their their innocence um republicans in 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 the state um have kind of objected to that from from day one and you know have claimed that that has led to you know further increases in in violent crime and and i think what happened this past week was was there was a um a, a further effort to to kind of bridge the the gap a, a little bit and and um so so what was approved was a measure that gives judges more discretion um there was a term in the initial legislation that said that judges had to use the least restrictive means to ensure that um that somebody re would return to court somebody um uh, you know accused of a crime and and so that was uh, that was taken out under under the revisions um uh passed this week so it gives judges a little more a little more discretion on on who they can um 
give bail to even in a nonviolent offense, I guess. And I know Denise, you and I are kind of a, a similar mind on this. I'm 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 of the mind of the mind, especially with you know nonviolent offenses. The whole point of of bail is to ensure that you know somebody uh, returns to court, um, and and it's not a punitive measure. And I think people have have turned it into a um, you know a punitive measure and and kind of convicting people before they've before they've gone to trial or whatever. And and I worried I was I was in favor of of the initial um, bail reforms, and and I worry kind of that we're slipping backwards a little bit. I mean, I I, I agree with you, Bill. Uh, look, you know, first of all, innocent until proven guilty. Let's start right there. Yeah. Beyond a reasonable doubt, proven guilty. But that's the theory, and that's the theories of how our criminal justice system is supposed to work. Um, it's not the reality um, for a number of reasons, but um, it's still, you know, the principle, the foundational principle, right? And you are not to be held in custody in jail um, unless there's a good reason. And the good reason, number one, is um, you skip out <laughs> and right. you don't come back. Like, you know, so that's the purpose of bail is to secure someone's presence, to make sure they return for, for justice. Um, and if someone is not a flight risk and someone is not the risk is not at risk and there are standards but that courts have to go by, if someone's not at risk of not returning to court, you know, um, then that should enter into a judge's decision about whether to post, whether to require the defendant to post bail or how, or how much that bail should be. And I mean, the more serious the crime charge, right? perhaps the more likely someone may not return because they're facing greater prison terms if they're convicted and that kind of thing. So that, you know, the seriousness of an offense does does come into play, but it's mainly the risk of, of not, not coming back to face justice. And that completely got lost in the sauce in this whole debate because, you know, oh my goodness, you're accused of this, you're, you're, you must be guilty because we know, you know, anybody who gets arrested and accused is guilty, right? So, right. and and so it got turned into, I think, very rapidly, a very convenient sort of political issue. I think personally, a lot of it was blown out of proportion in a big way. Um, we won't name names, but you know, that happened, <laughs> and um, for political purposes, and um, you know the. The data that I've seen, the data that's been published by the criminal justice services agencies, don't back up the allegation that crime has risen because of this. Right. It just really doesn't. And so, you know. Um, so so that, you give you give judges more more discretion, and 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 on the face, I think that's a good thing. But I I think that you know what time has shown that that when 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 there's that discretion there that can turn into a sy systemic uh, abuse and whether that's intended or not or or whether that's a subconscious thing on on the on the judge's part you 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 know you you end up with um based on maybe socioeconomic racial um um makeup of of a defendant you know you, you get some people who you know who get high bails or get you know get remanded to to jail and and some people who can afford a bail you know get get out and you have people who lose their jobs and their families um all in all in the space of, of time of, of waiting to find out whether you know um whether they're convicted or not and i think that's a scary thing too and i mean you know it could be bail that's you know like five hundred dollars that yeah. someone who's accused doesn't have that money and has to sit in jail till the next court date. And they also then don't have a, enough money to pay a lawyer. Right. So they're depending on uh, legal aid and the whole system is really broken down. The legal aid lawyers are completely overburdened. And, you know, so they're they're going to spend even that much longer just waiting to resolve their case. Right. There's an inducement to, because of that. There's an inducement, a great inducement for them to plead guilty to get just to get out. Right. So now someone has a criminal record yep. that, you know, um, but 
you know, it, it works against people who are poor and more often than not, it works against people who are, um, you know, the black and brown communities. And that's what this was intended to address. And and, and, and I, I think the the personally, I think the bail reform uh, law was, um, was was a positive step to try to correct some of that. And I hope we don't um, we don't um, skip backwards um, too much on, on that. We are. We are, are nearing the end, but I wanted to say that. So um, we, we wrote an editorial this week um, urging homeowners not to spray toxic chemicals and then synthetic fertilizers and toxic pesticides in, in their yards. And, and I'm going to throw to, to Beth real quick. How, how did we get to the point in this country where we put so much focus on, on green lawns and why should that change? In a, in two minutes. <laughs> in two minutes. Oh my gosh. Well, um, well, we could go into the history of chemical fertilizers. And yeah. All that sort of thing. Um. Uh. What I what I do have. To, oh, Southampton Town is giving away free um trees and mulch in Hampton Bays tomorrow. Yes. I But you can get free compost, uh, at your local um transfer station. AKA the dump in many East End hamlets and towns. And they are really a wonderful source of uh, organic nutrients for your garden. Um, that, uh, that free uh, Southampton tree giveaway in Hampton Bays is Saturday, May 6th. Is that correct? Yes, I could get the location. I believe it's a, it's one of the parks. I don't want to say the wrong one. I think it's Good Ground Park. And then there was also something in Bridge, Bridgehampton too. But it's Saturday. Check check uh, check the town website. Southampton town website should have that. Do you have to be a Southampton resident to go get those free trees? Because I live in East Hampton. I think you do. Okay, just <laughs> verifying so before I make the drive. <laughs> well, I would say there are free trees in the woods, but there aren't any in the Northwest Woods anymore. No, we have trees. Come on now. But the whole <laughs> idea of the compost is is that's native and natural to to the area, and you're returning that to the environment and not bringing in chemicals to to do what you can do with um and dandelions are our friends yeah tell my neighbors oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the, the most controversial they, thing. do they still give you those notifications when your neighbor is spraying pesticides because i feel like i haven't seen we used to get those in our mailbox but i don't know if they require to do that anymore i still see those little yellow flags sprouting the flags but they theory. used to actually put a notification in your mailbox or on your door when the neighbor was spraying but i haven't seen that in a long time so I haven't seen that either. We we are out of time. Uh, this has been Behind the Headlines on WLIW 88.3. I want to thank my co-host, Annette Hinkle, and our guest this week, Michael Mackey from WLIW-FM, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, and Beth Young from uh, East End Beacon. Thank you all. This was really a terrific show.